0: Welcome back.
1: Your Grace. The Discarded Knight.
0: We're back with our boy, Barristan Selmy.
1: Is he still your boy after this chapter?
0: It's hard to say. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> he's still, uh... He's still out here. Yeah, this chapter doesn't necessarily reflect very well on him, I wouldn't say, but...
1: And you also don't reflect very well in the chapter, right, as you revealed to me before we pressed record (laughs) (laughs) in the antechamber of the podcast
0: i was like um what are we going to talk about this whole (laughs) chapter which i would say i only say about 30 percent of the time
1: okay that's low for this part of the series i think
0: yeah yeah i saw that i did not think the chapter was bad i thought it was good Mm -hmm. um there were some really cool moments in the chapter like the the head
1: can we just get this out of the way are there any bad chapters
0: yeah sure really oh for sure I can't think of any at the top of my head but there's chapters that are like extremely boring for sure. Hmm. Um hmm. I don't know, I'm just trying I haven't to, found any yet. I'm trying not to be a hater. <laughs> a hater. I want to know your real
1: feelings. So this is not it wasn't
0: This was a filler chapter for for sure yeah, in you my said opinion. Filler chapter. Which I think is totally fine and we're going to have those. Um I thought like I said there's some really cool moments like the Admiral Grolio head role yeah that That description was really cool and we have some really neat moments the the conversation between embarrassing and quentin at the end of the chapter is Mm -hmm. really great especially thinking about what's going to happen to quentin is really interesting but i mean really when you think about it we're at this point in the miranese knot and in the plot and in barristan's tenure where daenerys is gone She's still gone. We don't really know what's going on. His Dar is do- out here doing his best. He doesn't really know what he's doing. We're not 100% sure of his motives. Barriston is out here trying to get rid of his Dar. Mm-hmm. We have understanding that that's happening, yet it hasn't quite happened yet. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of in the in-between stage he's there. He's thinking
1: about it a lot, boy. <laughs> right. He is.
0: Quentin is still out here trying to make moves. So It just felt like kind of a filler chapter, which is totally fine. But that's kind of my my thoughts. It
1: felt kind of short, too.
0: It was really short. Yeah. Yeah, it was super short. Yeah. Which I think is... What else was there to say? (laughs) Yeah, well,
1: whenever you mentioned that before, it made me think that... I just don't feel like at this point in the series at all, but also I'm putting extra faith in the author because I love these books. And even though I've never met him, I love George R. R. Martin. And so I'm thinking, well... They can do no wrong at this point. Fantastic Beast too, even though I fell asleep both times I've oh, watched gosh. it. It's almost the same exact place with varying levels of tiredness. Still, it's amazing, but not that good. Right. So I have faith, right?
0: Not right, as in I agree that Fantastic Beast is good. I think it's really bad. So that but is all. We have it I know. I wanted to make sure that. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> so I have faith.
1: I feel like he's got a plan, right?
0: Of course. And yeah. And I think. Course.
1: Probably my phone keeps locking. I have my notes on my phone right now. And this is going to be impossible, so I might go notes list for this too. Bold, yeah. Well, they called me bold, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but really it was because my phone <laughs> kept automatically locking. Uh, that's funny. I feel like if if we're if that's really the case, and this might not been necessary, mm-hmm. I thought about maybe doing the spurned suitor in conjunction with this chapter. That's our next chapter. Oh, yeah. I thought, well, maybe these would go well together, but I, I like the idea of us continuing to give single chapters the amount of attention, especially at the very end of, of Feast of Dragons. So, sure. Going forward, I think that if, since I have so much undying faith in George at this point, and call me silly, if you will, then maybe what we really needed to see was his daughter's reactions to the young guy because i feel like
0: mm-hmm. we could have
1: been told about this.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It could have been an offhand explanation. It could have been in the next chapter. Right. Quentin could have talked about it with Gareth Drinkwater. It could have been a normal thing. It could have been like, i was in the the throne room and i noticed that he's replaced the the bench that Danny was sitting on when we first spoke. Right. with two carved dragons. And the young guy he came in, the wise masters, threw ahead of someone. I don't remember his name. Maybe he could remember his name. Either way, I feel like we could have been told about this. But specifically learning about it through Barry's perspective, I feel like he's probably the ideal guy. If we need to sway someone, even though I don't know necessarily how much we really need to sway him if he must be swayed. But it, maybe his dar really feels like he needs to sway Barrison. I don't know. Maybe it's everyone, Maybe it's an overall fear of if people are within the brazen beast that he can't trust. Just everyone in general in the court needs to witness this happen in order for us to buy the situation for Hisdar and everyone else to safely kill Danny's dragons. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask if you thought that hisdar was in on all of this. But, like I said, before we started recording earlier, you said that you felt like this was maybe not necessary,
0: well, I mean, not like it's an unnecessary chapter period. I think it's just one of those things that's not necessarily we're going to come across chapters that aren't conducive to long conversations sure. on a podcast. Yeah, that's kind of
1: that's a better point.
0: That's kind of what I mean instead of let's get rid of the chapter, of okay. course not
1: so if since we had to witness this i'm I'm saying that I think that maybe the suspicions that we all might be thinking at this point. That his door might be in on this with Young Kai in some mm-hmm, way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or maybe they're pressuring him in some way. Either way, I feel like it was really important for us to witness this particular exchange. Not necessarily the continued description of Barry and context of who he is. I feel like that's to come later. And I also feel like him and Bloodbeard have something coming later potentially. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of this perspective on him is potentially feeding into maybe his end blossoming in a certain way Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it kind of feels like we're getting a lot of that like the description of his room and description of his backstory
0: right and just how comfortable he he was and how he was judging everyone else yeah
1: i don't know i might be wrong uh
0: i mean i don't know i would say
1: we got baja blast and sweet lightning right here
0: (laughs) (laughs) cheersing yourself on that one as you (laughs) take a sip from both straws i would say that I do, I mean, I like the idea of us being in the room as all of these different rumors are swirling around. We're mm-hmm. lit- literally there. Because not only is it this question of, is the questions that we ha- as a reader have of, is his dar- in on trying to get rid of the dragons? There's also the question of who poisoned the locusts, mm-hmm. kind of going around. There is the question of where Daenerys is and if she's really coming back. And so we're kind of at the center of all this chaos. And we've talked about Barristan, I think, almost more so than anybody else, being a pretty unreliable narrator. I mean, he's like a pretty biased guy, and I think that those biases come across pretty clearly in this That's chapter. That's how
1: I put it in my notes also. I was going to call him something a little bit more damning, but yeah. <laughs> I think I called him old and biased. Okay, yeah, old yeah. Old biased man, something like that.
0: But so, uh, to your point, instead of hearing back from a different character... Along the way, kind of what happens, what Hizr's reactions are to these X, Y, Z different things to be in this space is important. So, you know, of course this chapter is important. But I, I do, I think it's interesting because we see everybody in this chapter is literally just trying their best. Every single person in this chapter, the way I see it, is just doing their best to navigate this very complicated situation.
1: neck in the head, <laughs> put it on the satin yeah. pillow. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> like, like
0: delicately <laughs> like do something really nicely. But like you look at his dar, we we the chapter episode. The chapter begins with, um, hisdar sitting on like he replaces Dan- Daenerys' beautiful bench, simple elegant bench that Barristan got pillows for her, um, with these big thrones that have dragons on them and Barristan thinks um he says the important throne thought Barrison, because Daenerys is empty no dragon chair can replace a dragon no matter how elaborate it's carved so Barristan's like coming for his dar but his dar is really just trying to navigate the situation even if he is trying to get rid of the dragons purposefully he's trying to just handle with the cards he's been dealt and then we've got Quentin over here who is still hanging out, mm-hmm. even though he's well past his time to be here. His mission's been doomed for a long time. Um, but he's still kind of lurking around, catching the eye of people who aka his DAR who aren't thrilled that, that so he's great. still there.
1: That play by play that just led to the frowns, like, when are they gonna notice them? Right. <laughs> Literally he looks and frowns at them. Like, right. The little right. snort of laughter.
0: But Quentin's like, I got no choice. He's just trying to do his best, you know? So I feel like the chapter is interesting from that perspective because there's no clear person who is the villain or out to do something bad or, I mean, even even if you look at um, the youngish men, mm-hmm. they're just.
1: They make it seem fair in some way because they're not outwardly demanding violence, but they're sort of begging for it, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that what you were going to say?
0: I don't really know what I was going to say about that. <laughs> it's a great see, setup. See see what you were going to say about that. That's what I felt but, like.
1: I felt like they were like you're saying not being outwardly shitty.
0: Yeah, they're just trying to navigate besides bringing a head and throwing it at. Sure. His door's feet. But I mean they did in to their defense.
1: Weak. So
0: weak. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> died. You're say. Yeah, he what died. The people? I know. But it was on accident. I know it was on accident. And it's kind of funny cuz he dies being basically stepped on by his own people, which is Hilarious. So poetic. Slaves. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, in summation, I just feel like everyone's just out here trying their best. And I feel like Bearson is just a very critical, negative old man. Negative. He's a little negative, mm. don't you think? I mean, so you yeah. asked me like three seconds ago when we were starting this episode if my opinion of Bearson has changed from this chapter. Has it? I was going to ask you first before I answer that. I don't think it necessarily has changed. I don't think this chapter in and of itself is enough to change my opinion. but
1: I've definitely thought about him more because of it, his personality more because of it, mainly because of the scenario, which is what I think is so brilliant of a flourish by George because otherwise I don't think I would be questioning it. But now that I think about why it's important for us to see it through his perspective, like you were saying, instead of through an offhand retelling of it or even through some kind of, a—I guess that would be the only way. I was going to say news bulletin, but it's not like we'd go up and read, read a, <laughs> There's not like a, a sign. A
0: Twitter feed necessarily <laughs> or like a, going a, on. A, there.
1: in the Great Pyramid, they have like yeah. a cork board that everyone has like... A,
0: like in college. Updates of yeah. things that have happened.
1: That wouldn't happen. So hearing about it, through, or rather seeing it, Play out from his perspective while also getting a live feed of his read of the situation. For some of the reads, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for others, it's a little bit more questionable. It's like you're really seeing this in one particular way, black and white, not leaving a lot of room for wiggliness, which mm-hmm. I feel like someone who's as wise as him, although he admits that he's not the best at untying some of these knots, right. should leave a little space for wiggliness. And he's not. So it's probably, I'm probably supposed to unravel my own mystery within my head about how I feel about Barristan's judgment in this situation. And then I think about how Kondak talks to him and how he's just got an answer to everything. And how in the next chapter with Barry, he's so sure about how this is all a ruse, basically, with his Dar. It just seems like almost too good to be true. It seems like from the outside looking in, someone from a great great family marine that didn't side with the abolitionist dragon queen would probably, I don't know, want to get in that role some way or at least be a little bit bitter about not having made that decision themselves and maybe have something that they want to get from it now that there's a chance, now that there's some shakiness. Of
0: course, yeah.
1: Especially now that she's gone.
0: Right. Now's the time.
1: So someone that's like Barriston to someone like that, who's come up in this place, they might be a lot craftier than Barriston's giving them credit for. And also he might be really blinded by the situation and just looking for some kind of ally within the city or within the system, rather.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if that's happening, him being so quick to sort of accept this storyline without giving the same judgment to that guy, which I'm waiting for. We don't have a lot with it, because the last chapter we have with Barry, it's kind of... He he sort of leaves most of his judgment to being confused and really interested in how the Brazen Beasts work. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily much about this guy, but I think a lot of that is because he's seen him behind a mask. He's not able to really read his facial expressions and get to know what this guy's like. Right. In this situation, when he's talking so fervently about their plan. Right. But in this scenario, he's got a lot of opinions about these guys. So, yeah... Not as deep as it could be,
0: but I think that that benefits him and kind of what he wants to do, and that benefits the worldview that he already has, and so it's much easier to kind of accept somebody or something
1: when, especially being this far at the end of your
0: life. Yeah, that's like already what you want to do. So it's like okay, cool. So somebody else wants to do pretty much the same thing I want to do. So and
1: doesn't he probably feel like this is one of his last things?
0: For sure, especially he's so old.
1: He's barely sleeping.
0: What do we get? Yeah, he's barely sleeping, which sounds awful. But he um. He's thinking as his dar reacts to the head being rolled across the court. He thinks about how all the other kings that he served under would have reacted to this, mm-hmm. and we, he he can you
1: go through go through those reactions?
0: Yes, let me find them really quick.
1: I remember that he said that uh, Robert would have demanded his hammer and dem- and basically went and fought. I, I guess not even challenged him, but insisted that he go fight Bloodbeard himself for having the audacity to be. Such an asshole in his own throne room.
0: Sir Barristan glanced toward the throne. He had served so many kings, he could not help but imagine how they might have reacted to this provocation. Eris would have flinched away in horror, likely cutting himself on the barbs of the Iron Throne, mm. then shrieked at his swordsmen to cut the Englishman to pieces. Robert would have shouted for his hammer to repay Bloodbeard in kind. God. Even Jaharis, reckoned weak by many, would have ordered the arrest of Bloodbeard, and the Yankish slavers. His dar sat frozen, a man transfixed.
1: What a, not to interrupt your train of thought before, but just want to mention that that's one of the more damning descriptions of Aris as far as his He's usually outwardly violent in a way, yeah, like maniacal. But this is so
0: weak—cutting himself on the barbs of the iron throne, streaking
1: back and (laughs) wincing, getting cut on his own chair. Well, you look—how much of a tough, crazy, fiery guy are you in that case?
0: Well, it's this whole conversation that you kind of have a little bit at the the end of the chapter of people get these names and these reputations, and then but Mm. the people who know who actually know Mm them—it's like I was next to this guy for a really long time. I know exactly who he is. um But anyway, what I was trying to say is just that him being so reflective kind of on everything, he's absolutely near the end of his time and he's getting old and he's in this strange and foreign place where he is truly, I mean, Daenerys isn't here, so he's alone and he is kind of stuck in this situation. Um, I liked the imagery of his little bedside table with... I have um, it right here. Please read it, Yeah.
1: One of my favorite parts of the chapter. On a bedside table, he kept a beeswax candle and a small carving of the warrior. Though he was not a pious man, the carving made him feel less alone here in this queer alien city. And it was to that, he said alien, by the way, George did. So maybe there are aliens in this story. (laughs) I think that might have been the first mention. (laughs) Feel less alone here in this queer alien city. And it was to that he had turned in the black watches of night. Shield me from these doubts that gnaw on me, he had prayed. And give me the strength to do what is right. But neither prayer nor dawn had brought him certainty. I feel like that's a lot that's a lot of of, of Barristan context that maybe is unclear, but like I said, its sort of I said earlier in the conversation, it kind of feels like we're nearing some kind of an end because we're getting so much description of him.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not
1: like that with everyone else. it's still so ambiguous,
0: right I like, right.
1: think think about. We were talking about how Tyrion was realizing so much just outside of the city in our last chapter when he was walking with the pales about his he, realizing where he was at in his story, how he got himself here in the first place. And it's a lot of info, but it's not really complete of like of a full character understanding. Of his, like bedside
0: table exactly. kind of intimate details exactly. of yeah. Yeah. Right. We talked a couple episodes. I think that we had this conversation in our last Paris episode. And I think we have had this conversation in all of his chapters, just kind of where we think his arc is going and, so, and how much longer he does have. Because things were cut pretty short for him in the TV show. And so it's kind of hard to say. We can't really base that off of anything. And so um, I don't specifically recall either of our explicit feelings (laughs) on the matter and people listening may better remember that but we've spent a lot of time in the last couple episodes over the last couple months over the last whatever talking about this battle and that's coming and I think a question of whether or not Barristan is going to make it out alive is one that we really should truly be asking because we've kind of got a lot of this very sentimental almost Imagery and worldview and and conversations. Sentimental and uh, a little grumpy.
1: Mongrel Giskari tongue, he says.
0: He's an old man who's stuck in a... You know how your grandparents are just a little bit more racist than you (laughs) right you know it's like and it's like you want everyone to be better and you try hard to have those conversations but you kind of just sometimes have to chalk it up to them being a little old and you know even the way he kind of looks at Daenerys I feel like is a little so I I I really liked this chapter but he's thinking or this um this passage specifically but he's thinking about Quentin and I want to read this this um paragraph he says prince quentin was listening intently at least so he's noticing him in the hall and is like why are you here there's my phone ringing (laughs) on my laptop (laughs) um prince quentin was listening intently at least that one is his father's son short and stocky plain faced as he seemed a decent lad Sober, sensible, dutiful, dot, 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 But not the sort to make a young girl's heart beat faster. And Daenerys Targaryen, whatever else she might be, was still a young girl. Like all good queens, she put her people first, else she never would have wed Hizdars or Lorak. But the girl, in her still, yearned for poetry, passion, and laughter. She wants fire, and Dorne sent her mud. <laughs> mud will nourish you, where fire will only consume you. But fools and children and young girls would choose fire every time. He's basically saying... You know, he's he's kind of reflecting on Daenerys's the fact that Quentin was basically doomed from the start because he's not hot enough for Daenerys to even <laughs> be interested in her, which I think is kind of funny. And I... Such
1: a generous way that he put it. Right.
0: And I always enjoy these moments when we are reminded that Daenerys really is just like this young w- woman who's kind of navigating her way through Westeros. But it's also kind of like, it's just a classic kind of grandpa look on this mm-hmm. girl and this person, his queen that he's working for. That's
1: my first look into what a grandpa might think about what a young girl wants, right. to be honest. <laughs> exactly. I've never had that perspective before. Well, so do you think that's what they think?
0: Sure. Hmm. I I just think that he um, is looking at Daenerys' choices in a very
1: condescending manner
0: yeah i mean he's Mm -hmm. you know she married his dar because she
1: doesn't want people to die
0: yeah she's like literally trying to do her like i was saying she was trying to do her best like she's doing the long-term best thing that she can think of Mm -hmm. that was a sacrifice that she made and he meant he says you know she's a good queen she's putting her people first but she still wants a poetry passion and laughter and he she could never marry quentin cuz he's not hot enough it's basically what she says i just i don't know there's not too much to like read into that i just thought that that was another interesting point in kind of how he uh is looking at the people around him and kind of the situation that he's in
1: do you think that he thinks it's less wise that he that she chose his dar over the fire that she's apparently wants for him
0: no 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 i think that he he says, he says, um, Dorn sent her mud. Mud would nourish you. Um, kind of like, that's like the better long-term choice. I don't think he thinks Quentin is the better long-term choice for her in the slightest. He
1: kind of says that if Quentin would have came sooner, though, then it'd be a different story. Yeah. He definitely says that. But I'm still wondering about whether or not he believes that the the local decision, because they're so caught up in Marine. You know, like, he's the guy in this great pyramid. Right. How much sense would it make at this point to partner up with someone so far away? I guess he really does want to leave. But at the same time, I'm wondering what his sort of deep feelings are about the the Histar situation. I know he's thought about it before, but in the context of this feeling about what she inevitably wants— Like, what's the grandpa point of view then? This is what I want to know. We need to get grandpa on the podcast for this.
0: You can call mine.
1: (laughs) Call him up. So, listen, I know you know that this is the better sort of political decision in a way, but is it going to hold up to what you really want? You know?
0: Right. My grandpa has a lot of opinions. (laughs) I, uh, sorry. I was going
1: to say that. Barristan says that his friends, specifically in the Kingsguard, had paramours too. And he, he speaks specifically of one, but we can assume the rest of them did. I don't. I guess he didn't, but I guess it's not bad if they do. And so maybe he just thinks that Danny could have some Dario on the side.
0: Oh, for I feel like that, That's just kind of like a kind of given right. at this point. Marriage okay. seems to be these political packs, and that's okay. pretty much it, basically in Westeros. I feel like,
1: but you can't marry twice. So since she's already married to his dar, then this Quentin situation, it'd be great if she could, because then this could just be okay. Fine, we'll partner with Dorn then.
0: Yeah, but right. it seems like
1: Dorn needs them way more than they need Dorn.
0: For sure, one thousand yeah. percent. Yeah, one thousand percent. I think that I don't know what what Barrison would have um, counseled her had his dar not been in the picture. And I was gonna say something.
1: That's a way more succinct way to put it than I did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say about that. I don't know what he would have said had Quentin shown up a little earlier, but I mean his feelings on his Dar are pretty blatantly clear. He doesn't like him. He doesn't especially now. Um he doesn't like him. He thinks he's has good information mm. on him being the one to poison the even though I don't know if he's really followed up on that, like we haven't seen any confirmation, but he feels like he's got good, solid info that his heartbeat. dar's the guy, and that he needs to go, and that he's just trying to use the dragons to flex and blah 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 on all this kind of place. And so it's kind of like, well, let his Dar flex do his thing, mm-hmm. and let's get out of here. <laughs> let's get out of here, you know, yeah. so. Barrison doesn't like his Dar, period. So I think that it Do would have been interesting to see him from a different perspective.
1: Do you think that Barry would like his dar better if his dar would have conducted his court from the same
0: bench as Daenerys? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know.
1: I think so. I think that his dar is not automatically in a bad place with this guy. It reminds me a lot of last chapter when John came in. On his horse, that big courser, instead of what he normally does, surrounded by men. Don't laugh at me. Surrounded by men that he doesn't normally hang with. Right. By more impressive, aged veteran members of the Night's Watch. Right. You know? Right. And with ghosts snarling at his side, basically being more aggressive, more impressive than he would normally be, uh, an unnatural version of himself. And in that attempt, he was trying to do it, not because he wanted to intimidate directly like someone like torment but because he wanted to hopefully instill a confident edge so that everything would go well when the free folk were crossing through the wall to join into the land of westeros let's not have this go badly because this decision that i've made is going to have reverberations that are probably going to outlive me will definitely outlive me this has never happened before my i'm the lord commander of an order that basically job number one is against these people we have horn we have a signature sound that we blow specifically when we see some of these people, and we're changing that sound right now to welcome them in. We don't even know what we're going to use that sound for in the future we're going to that, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be open the gates for these people moving forward. But still, with all this good stuff, presumably he felt like it was necessary to do something unnatural, and like I said last week, not because He's bad, or because he wanted something that he didn't deserve. He just wanted everything that he thought was for a good reason to go through in a positive way.
0: 1,000%.
1: In this chapter, Hizdar is surrounded by pit fighters. That's a gruesome scene. Surrounded by pit fighters in armor now. Not like they're usually garbed. Less decorative, maybe more decorative, but in a kind of courtly, cheesier way. When before they looked like people that had been living for like decades and building up a cool outfit that would be in the video game or something where you have all these custom pieces and you're really proud of it. But they decided to sacrifice it to join this thing. I mean, let's go over his titles all kneel for his magnificence, Hisdar Zolorak, 14th of that noble name, King of Marines, Sion of Geese, Okdark, and my uh, my reading app couldn't find a definition for that. Result okay. not found is what it <laughs> said. Scion of Geese, Okdark of the old empire, master of the Skahazdon of that river. He just 10th. all of a sudden is now master <laughs> of it. Consort to dragons, that's the weakest one among them, and blood of the harpy roared the herald his voice echoed off the marble floor and rang amongst the pillars surrounded by pit fighters seasoned killers all thought Selmy. but it is one thing to face a foe in the pit when his coming is heralded by horns this part doesn't have anything to do with my point but i'm going to finish it and drums and another to find a hidden killer before he can strike which i want to get to but what's this for he's had the seats replaced now they're cards to the likeness of dragons, which I feel like we can get a little bit softer on what he's doing. But really at the same time, the whole reason he's there is because he's married Danny in the first place. So why not lean into it, right? It's like this the thing with Ghost. Even though Ghost is his best friend and John kind of deserves to have him at his side, he didn't have to have him growl necessarily.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's sort of the same energy. It's like not you. Sure. You don't it's like not your flex, but at the same time. You know, it is because, you know, I'm sitting in the dragon chair and he's growling. What I'm saying is they're kind of similar. So someone like Barry has all this time. And so let's call him like the collected wisdom. And there was older guys at at Castle Black that made the decision to kill John, right? It's sort of like the same thing. They're witnessing this sort of youthful decision and they're seeing the, the place that that decision came from. And they're, instead of seeing it as, like, something bad necessarily, they're seeing it as something that's not true. And when you're in a position of power, in a person in a better position than you, or at least one from a vantage point that you haven't quite earned yet, rather than feel sorry for you and just pat you and be like, hmm, whatever, like he's kind of thinking about Danny, because I feel like he, like I said, condescends to her. Rather than because she's a woman, rather than the way he thinks of his dar here, rather different than the people in the Night's Watch treated John. They didn't just think he was silly. They're like, we're going to kill you and get you out of the way. It was a fine transition. The free folk came through. It was fine. They're not. They don't. They don't have a plan after they kill John to kill all the wildlings. Right. In this situation, Barry and his dar, it's less important because he's not saying, "I'm going to kill you." But at the same time, uh, well, he, yeah, he, he, he he does corner him. Yeah. And makes him not be king anymore. Yeah. Instead of working with them, just like those guys didn't work with John.
0: Because they have these preconceived biases against who they are. That
1: they fed into, that exactly. those people fed Sh- into. Sure.
0: But like you look at somebody and this is <laughs> just coming off a conversation we spent the whole last episode talking about. But you're right. There are a lot of parallels. You look though at like the decision that Hisdar makes with those chairs, with those titles, with all of this. The pit fighters surrounding him. Yeah, I mean, he is really dorky. There we go. And you know, John's not. (laughs) John John is really dorky. Both of them are really dorky. His dar is, and especially from somebody like Barrison's point of view, but he is. Not just giving himself those titles just so he can feel cool about himself, right? He's the guy in charge,
1: right? And, that, and John wasn't riding that horse just because he wanted to seem cooler,
0: right? He's the guy in charge. So like you, kind of have to do something like that. And right. I, I think about how.
1: But, but it, sorry to interrupt. He didn't need the the dragon chair, though, right?
0: I think he did. I think that was a. Ra- I personally think that that was a right move, and I think that Barrison's being really hard on him at this point because. You look at the—he sits in one chair. It's not like he's sitting on a dragon chair by himself. There's the empty one next to him. You've got this room full of people. They. It, it's described as the court is full of many emotions, anger, grief, suspicion, fear. You've got people who were hurt in the fighting pit situation, people who have family members who've died. Daenerys is missing. Some people are upset because they're like, his daughter's not our guy. Um you know, he's having his seneschal give all of the answers to everything instead of him answering directly. I mean, these are all like kind of dorky things, but there's a lot of chaos going on. And so he's trying to flex what is his only real, I have two other thoughts. He's, he's trying to like flex what his, is his real, um, hold on the throne. And if you think about what people really think about his dar is kind of open for interpretation, and what really people really think about Daenerys is kind of open for interpretation because I think there's a lot of s- different opinions on like why Danny is there in the first place. And some people want a guy like his dar in charge. Some people want a guy gr- like people seem to be pretty upset that Danny's missing. Um, but I do think when it comes to like the chair specifically, he's just trying to keep some sort of continuity, and I don't. Is he trying to get rid of the dragons? Maybe. Is he trying to just get rid of Daenerys so he can be the guy? Maybe. All these types of things. Did he try to poison her? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really important piece that I'm, like, leaving out of this whole conversation. But outwardly, I think that he's just trying to, like, keep a hold on this disaster of a city that's about to be in this disaster of a situation. Daenerys, in his defense, kind of left him with all hell having broken loose. Yeah, for sure. And so, I kind of want to cut him a little bit of a break, even though he probably is trying to kill Daenerys. <laughs> but like, can we, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. No, for
1: sure. Was that both your points?
0: I think so. Who's to say?
1: Well, that that makes me think, okay, so, if if that's what's going down, then it doesn't seem likely to me that he would be entrenched with the young guy because it seems like that that, those are that like sort of like john those are honest attempts to hold things together and i saw them from barry's perspective because i fell for it i think a little bit i fell for it a little bit and but when i think about a little bit more it's like it does make a lot of sense because he wants to not let all hell break loose when things are all breaking loose
0: and sure he might that still might mean he's in it with the youngish men. He just is looking for the rest of the people to be on his side, so that whenever things happen, you know,
1: he might be. But it seems it seems less likely with it's the way so that George
0: complicated would be
1: writing. It. Yeah, that's yeah. what they call it if not. That's difficult to untie. Man. Like Where <laughs> are you, Tyrion? You know, it's you're outside. Blah, 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 blah. But so if that's the case, then it seems it seems to me like what it could be is. We're getting sort of double misdirected, especially being yeah. off the back of the last yeah. chapter, because there's such so obvious points. And then his Hizdar might just be so unimpressive and might be so sh- unsure of himself. And when you think about the kind of guy that's going to constantly come back the way that he did with Danny without being inventive with new ways, and eventually her just giving into it because of... The position that he had, so
0: classic. Yeah, of course. Sometimes you just gotta give in.
1: <laughs> I feel like that's something from popular culture. I forget where it's from, but like there's there's a type of man that'll do that. Yeah, it's like attrition. <laughs> yeah, you know? and that's kind of what he did. And he, so he's not he's not spearheading the young guy stuff, and until he kills the dragons. What he's really afraid of, I guess, at this point would be they're losing his life or losing the life of his family, in which they were brought back before the dragons were killed. Which
0: is an interesting point into him being in bed with those guys because they...
1: Already brought him back.
0: They brought his family back, yeah. you know, the people that he's truly at the end right. of the
1: day. Right, you're saying that's interesting because it might mean that he is in bed with them. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And I'm thinking that, I think that makes it, at this point, a little less likely because he's not... Nothing's happened with the dragons yet
0: hmm Yet.
1: Right. Or at least he, he hasn't—I I don't know what the plan is, and we don't really know at all because that gets messed up by by Quentin. Right.
0: But yeah, all of this to say kind mm-hmm. of what his Dar's thing is, I just think that we just shouldn't be 100% sure on Barrison's point of view on him. Uh, right. It's all kind of what I was trying to—like, in summation.
1: I agree, and I guess what I was trying to say before is it's not— I don't think that because he's done familiar things of along the lines of someone that's sort of making up for his—he's not being natural, basically, mm-hmm. in a way. The natural thing would have been to just go into the way the throne room was. I think that it's not about, I want to do it on a bench. It's about you just go and do it where it already was.
0: Or it's about they just got married. Like this is all pretty new, right? That's, that's, how long has it been? That's
1: all. That's all totally true. I'm just talking about the judgment from the perspective of someone like Barry. Yeah, I think that he would have right. given more respect. He would have thought his Dar as a more interesting person, less predictable. Which I think is probably how they feel about someone like John in the end if the if he would have just gone with the flow rather than making up with stuff. I'm not, obviously not saying that John was murdered because of the the way that he decided to <laughs> greet the wildlings. But <laughs> yeah. I think it's sort of like an analogous to a lot of things that he's right. done. Plus the lack of communication, which I think Hisdar is also guilty of. I mean, and, of and, course. And, and he's sort of the unearned bravado as well. If you're an old guy or if you're at least a, uh, what's the word, when you're just sort of unimpressed and a little suspicious. I don't know. When you're just seems like
0: your your uh, online dictionary isn't working. Yeah, out either the phone's not gonna. unlock. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it, you're just a little skeptical,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so you're just automatically looking for a reason, basically. And if you're doing stuff like this, if you're already looking for a reason, they're gonna find a way to be like, "All right, my my skepticism is proven true." Especially when you're as biased in these situations as someone like Barry, and when you're as as you have very clear opinions on, it's okay if she's like this, she's just a silly girl, and then over here, he's dangerous, and I'm going to take him out of the position of control because he can't even make the decisions that I can't see through. They want they want to see you make a decision that surprises them, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh. Right. It's not impossible for a youthful person to be like that. I think we see a lot of that in Fagon, honestly.
0: Oh, interesting. I think we
1: do, and I think that... I don't know the reason. I don't think the reasons are because he's brilliant and and noble, but I think that he's been surrounded by good people, mm-hmm. and that he's got a lot of unearned confidence. Yeah, and so he's he's just doing it because he feels like that's the heroic thing to do. Almost, in he's a way. been
0: around a lot of bass, so he's like
1: exactly boldness. gets <laughs> yeah. paid off, and we'll and we'll we'll do it going for we'll yeah. strong. And I don't know, I think strength translates in a good way to someone like him, like Mm -hmm. to like Barry. And I think that he sees through this sort of obvious attempt at strength, being surrounded by these wild, strong people and sees it as someone who's unable to be depended on. And if we can depend on him, I think that his reason for saying we can't depend on him and ours, if we agree to that, are different. But it still doesn't really change the situation with who he might be in bed with. Exactly. And so to me, just right at this point in the conversation it might change, what you were saying before made me think that we might just be seeing it play out in real time of this is the best that his DAR can do, and that he might not actually be in bed with Yunkai. Mm-hmm. And that he might have been surprised by these people being delivered back to him. And I think that Young Kai might be trying. To get him in bed with them,
0: right? And this is them. This is them kind of offering something to him. Like, here's your family. So right. let me like. And it's we're,
1: we're not bad. You can depend on us. Who are these people with dragons? Let's yeah, get them out of here. Yeah. We're all from here. We speak the same language, ish.
0: It's interesting too because I think dar's reaction to the head roll can be read in so many different ways. Exactly, it can be read as him being literally struck dumb, mm-hmm. basically not being able to say anything, mm-hmm. or as him being a really bad actor mm-hmm. and him not knowing what to do. Um, but while you were th- talking about him, I remembered something that I hadn't brought up earlier um, that I'd forgotten about is when Bearson and Quentin are talking about Quentin leaving and getting out of here. Essentially, Quentin's like, kind of laughs at the prospect of leaving early just because of his DARS look at him. Because he's like, did you see the, basically he's like, did you see the way this guy handled everything today? Yeah. Like, why do I need to be afraid of a guy like him or worried about... Why do I need to leave right now and not go back to my room, kind of thing? Um, So it's not just Barristan that is looking. Read it like that. It's also Quentin, which could, you know, answer some other questions. But yeah, for
1: him in this situation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but
1: what a weird opinion! It's like you're inside of a pyramid that's larger than any building you've been in. I think that you're a little bit comforted by the fact that you were highborn and you're used to being in situations like that. and yeah. drink Drinkwaters was like, this is different than activity at your father's court. Right. It's just, he's comfortable in courts. So he's like, what's going to happen to me? I'm an important person, but... I'm I mean, the main
0: character in that my story. Was, exactly.
1: But that was just a head that got rolled across this thing, mm-hmm. for God's sakes, right across the floor. That's not That's not good. You don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. They eat dogs here. You don't want to be here.
0: <laughs> what a do you,
1: dangerous place.
0: What do you think about the theory that crosses barrison's mind shortly about um <laughs> quentin being the one trying to kill his dar how
1: that's what i think <laughs> how how did, would quentin how would he do that how would he poison the locust would he did he go <laughs> did, did did he find would he have guessed maybe they have a royal confectioner in Doran. i don't know
0: <laughs> or maybe would he, he like bought them a, somewhere
1: but the, but it came from he, the confectioner remember it was mentioned
0: yeah but you know Think about...
1: The Confectioner!
0: <laughs> <laughs> playing devil's advocate. Think about, like, Joffrey's death, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but see, that, that I think that that's a good point, though, because Joffrey's death was so... It would have been so difficult to do something with the food Yeah, that Littlefinger had to do this weird subplot right. with Sansa, but also brilliantly connect it with the way that he would get her to escape right. and to get her... He it was it was so hard to poison the food for the king, which makes sense of the Seven Kingdoms. That you, excuse me, you have to get Sansa Stark to bring the poison in close through a necklace. Days.
0: What's Littlefinger up to these days?
1: Uh, right now, uh, being a boss.
0: Yeah, I mean, sure. So, yeah, how could he have truly? I guess it that just happen. seemed to be but
1: really hard, but it's not impossible.
0: I do think that that's an interesting thought. He's like, "Wait a second, let's add to the chaos of we don't really know what's going on here." What and do you say, think about it? I mean, I agree with you. I think logistically, I think <laughs> I don't know. I don't like Quentin. Nobody, you know, whatever. But um, logistically, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But I just do think that it's interesting to add another name into the mix of this poison and you know quentin reacts pretty he seems pretty shocked by the whole thing and so i don't know if he's necessarily a really great actor but um a master mummer
1: right so you were saying that if you think it's interesting that barry would add this to the mix of all the chaos
0: i I think it's interesting that george r martin would add this to the mix of all the chaos more so
1: to me it seems like Barrison is trying to think
0: more 3D chess. <laughs> he's trying to like be a little bit of a scumbag. No, not a scumbag. Um, An investigator. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. he's trying to be like yeah, a. But so he's thinking
1: a, like a scumbag.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. But I think he's trying to like turn over lots of different stones. He's like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. Quentin could be the one. It's
1: so. so interesting to me that he wouldn't think of the stone that is brought up to him in his next chapter of. Of him being in league so deep, of his dar being so right. in, deeply in league with
0: right. Young young Kai and the wise masters. Right. Yeah, me... I don't, that's, <laughs> this is a moment in the middle of the podcast where it's like, I do not remember exactly. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't be making theories about what his dar is doing. It's like, wait a second, what happens in the next chapter? <laughs> it's like, don't dig your heels in so right. deeply. I'm like, <laughs> um, whatever, who cares? This but... part
1: is confusing. It really is.
0: Sure. Yeah. We're at the climax of all of this. So, yeah. you know, who's to say? But
1: I feel like, I feel like it, it that his DAR is, my opinion has changed so much of him just the course of this podcast, which mm-hmm. is why I think this, or I think rather, this, it's why the flourish of these chapters is kind of, or is becoming more impressive to me because it seems so, it, it's probably what annoys some people because they don't want it to be channeled through, a bunch of confusing names and languages they don't really like as readers of A Song of Ice and Fire. They're like, okay, Resnek, Mo Resnek. They all th- they, they all, all sound kinda, really similar. They all sound similar, and they all kind of like uh, fuse together. Especially when you haven't read it. A lot of a lot of folks that I know haven't um, read these books in like eight years.
0: Well, yeah, and also even if you have read them multiple times, it's kind of like wait right. a second. It's
1: it's it, so it is it is hard. So it's probably not the best. To be channeled, like I said, through this part of it. And for it to be <laughs> no. through someone as uninspiring as Hisdar, you know? But it is also Barristan Selmy, who, who's been fated since the very beginning of the series. Right. As someone that we should respect and, and think of in awe. And, uh, I don't know, I think it's pretty cool that he's in... Like I said, the the visuals of him walking around the Great Pyramid, the visual of him... Being inside of a courtroom like this and being able to sort of casually disregard the rules about weaponry and being able to speak up so confidently in some foreign land when there's a war that's basically about to go down, when there's there's multiple armies stationed around the city, when there's a a plague, when there's dragons locked underneath the one being broken out and one Targaryen seemingly flying off, maybe dead or alive. It's pretty epic circumstances, to be honest. So, I mean, it's it's not it's not as underwhelming as it might seem from far away.
0: Of course. You know? Of course not. Right. But when
1: you're in the points of view, I feel like it's you're able to minimize so much because his dar is just kind of like his dar to us. Right. But to all these people that are later being uh like uh protesting at the changing of the, the leadership later when his is taken out of power for him that his dar is is his Zo to them of the great house of
0: bob blah, 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 blah yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you yeah. know zor
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying so i think that that's part of uh, really the flourish of a song of ice and fire in general is is how on the ground floor a lot of these things are way less impressive than being so far away. But that's who we spin the series with. They're mostly noble people. They're mostly the fancy people that are in, in charge of subjugating all the small folk. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's easy to feel a little bit underwhelmed by the, the grandeur of it if you're directly inside of it and there's less elements that are more attractive to you that remind you of the kind of medieval fantasy elements that you loved growing up.
0: Right. I think that just ties in so nicely to the last paragraph of this whole chapter. Before he had gone three steps, Quentin Martell called out to him, Barrison the Bold, they call you. Some do. Selmy had won that name when he was ten years old, a new-made squire, yet so vain and proud and foolish that he got in his, got it in his head that he could joust with tried and proven knights. So he would borrowed a warhorse and some plate from Lord Dondarrion's army and entered the lists at the black haven as a mystery knight even the herald laughed my arms were so thin that i lowered my lance and it was all i could do to keep the point from furrowing in the ground <laughs> lord don Darien would have been within his rights to pull him off the horse and spank him but the prince of dragonflies had taken pity on the adelpa- pated boy in the ill-fitting armor and accorded him the respect of taking up his challenge one course was all that it required afterward prince duncan helped him to his feet and removed his helm A boy, he proclaimed to the the crowd. A bold boy. (laughs) Fifty-three years ago, how many men were still alive who were there at Blackhaven? So he's thinking all this in his head. And Quentin kind of finishes his thought. He goes, What name do you think they'll give me? Should I return to Dorne without Daenerys? Prince Quentin asked. Quentin the Cautious, Quentin the Craven, Quentin the Quail. The prince who came too late, the old knight thought. But if a knight of the king's guard learns nothing else, he learns to guard his tongue. Quentin the Wise, he suggested, and he hoped that was true. I just love this story so much because, like you're saying, Barrison's the guy. Like, Barrison is one of the best of the best. He's been around, he's seen everyone, he's seen everything, and now he's here in the thick of it here in Marine. Barrison the Bold, he's a legend. Mm-hmm. And he got his nickname because he was a kid who was. This wasn't like some b- massive battle that he was in where he charged in front of everybody and swung the last whatever and, and killed the guy. Yeah. This was like him as some little kid who had a huge ego and they just let him fight. And now he's Barrison the Bold. And Whoa. so, but you look at somebody like Quentin who's heard about this, and to a kid like him, He wants to aspire to have a name for himself, too. Like, he wants to be remembered well, too. And so...
1: Do you think that... Yeah, but it's so funny because he's willing to put himself and all these other people in harm's way.
0: Because he thinks that's what he has to do.
1: To get a nickname, though.
0: Yeah, but that stuff matters to, like, to people like that.
1: Okay. But...
0: Have you ever seen Hamilton? Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) I will, though.
1: (laughs) But... Does he know the story about Barristan? I don't does know. Does he know he, how he I don't think his, he
0: does. No, that's how, the point. I don't think he does. Okay,
1: so to anyone listening, before you do all the stuff that Quentin's doing, find out what – find out how the thing that inspires you became the thing that, <laughs> that inspires you. Right. You know? And it, it may be a little bit underwhelming. Right. In some cases. It might, might have to – change your your tack on stuff
0: right i just think it's
1: he should know he's been riding in a lot of boats and stuff it's really far from <laughs> but home but is
0: that a story that's widely common spread you know or is that just something that you know who would like writes that stuff down that's not <clears throat> something that's gonna be put in
1: so everyone just automatically assumes that bury the bold is because of some stuff that he did
0: yeah you know what i mean so i think that that's
1: that's beautiful honestly
0: I think it is beautiful. It's very poetic. Mm-hmm. Um what were you saying before I said that? It was a great summary of what you were you were just talking about how
1: the context is much larger than it seems.
0: Right. We're in this very small yeah. minute day-to-day
1: just in this a throne room basically mm-hmm. and we don't even really we don't I don't think we leave it at all in this chapter. And people
0: are mad and everything's there's chaos and then yeah you zoom out and the implications are are pretty big.
1: Honestly, I I I can relate to how that feels sometimes whenever you Look around and you're like, So, this is the top of stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. You're
0: you, you look around and say, This is the top of stuff. You have well, the top no, of all of <laughs> no, me
1: being like now an older person is what I mean. Yes, yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I guess walking a dog that's uh now six or something <laughs> that's the, the best thing I got going for me. I'm like, Oh, so this is what it's like to have a dog that's not a puppy, eh, it's not that impressive, <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: but I see what you're saying. Like, as an adult, you're like, Oh, yeah. this is being what it's older. like to make decisions well, for
1: also just knowing people. Really, yeah. what it is is I have have I, I have friends and acquaintances that are legit people that have by that i mean that have jobs that are interesting and that are doing stuff like people that are working in positions like lawyers or something and i'm like so a lawyer can also be someone that i know that threw up on my shoes one
0: time to me it's teacher know? to me it's teachers like teachers so yeah exactly it's like the biggest most important job and it's like wait a second.
1: yeah <laughs> that but that's the, that that's what i mean like that's <laughs> wait a second like You can be a teacher and dealing with all the stuff that's happening right now with COVID and be someone that asked me for ridiculous advice, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, basically the situation that Barry's in right now when he's or that he's putting us in when he walks to the side of the throne room and he's just he sees Quentin as someone that's just like, okay, but that's Quentin Martell, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah. Right.
1: But when you're younger, yeah. When you're younger and you look up to grown up adults, absolutely. You're like, wow. Yeah. Right. But when you become someone that's not the age that you used to be, you're like, we all suck.
0: Yeah. Which is my opinion. <laughs>
1: yeah. <for laughs> that's sure. what my opinion
0: is. I would tend to agree with you.
1: So uh-huh. if you know we all suck, and George definitely knows, and he's so patient to give us all this context, especially through the eyes of someone like Barry who now as we know, is bold for a reason that doesn't suck, but it's definitely less impressive than I've always thought, for sure, then you are you don't think that <laughs> stuff that's happening in places is that impressive? Because you, you know th- we all suck.
0: You know what I think? We may have talked about this in the last episode, but I think that we compared it to... Being in Barrison's POV chapters is like when JK, JK Rowling started tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, the, I, if I recall, that's what we d- uh, described it as. Right. Last time. There was there was
1: that beautiful period where she was so mysterious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and Barrison himself, too, he was, was very, very mysterious. Even
1: now, I can cut the three of you down like yeah. carving a cake.
0: He was just Barrison the Bold. Yeah. And, and now he's got, you know, his little sad little nightstand. That we know about.
1: So Oh man, so succinct. Yeah. But I honestly respect it. For I'm sure. Like, I'm like, you know what? I like that room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the little beeswax candle. Right. But that's like that's what it is, is the the life's best attempt at being the, as good as you are. You know? And like, you're just like trying to doing your thing.
0: Right. Make him feel homely. Like, yeah,
1: yeah, but to him, his homely is not only associated with his desire, but it's also associated with what he thinks someone like him should be. And as, right. as we see, he's able to change his opinion of what someone like him should be. And he's been doing it since the end of the last chapter and in this chapter, and he'll continue it. In the doing. chapters
0: to come, I am so excited for the next chapter that we have in Barrison's POV.
1: Oh, yeah. It's going to be really cool to sort of go moment by moment and to think about what I just said. I'll be thinking about seeing him sort of sacrifice, or rather, change those opinions. Over time, right, In small moments leading to other small moments with this new friend.
0: I'm trying to see how long we've got. Yeah, we've got a little bit of a we've got a chunk to get before we get there, but um, very exciting. I got
1: some questions for you. Okay. Do you think that they really think that Danny's dead? The Wise Masters.
0: Uh That's a good question. I mean so many things happened so fast that day and there were really very few witnesses to what actually happened with Daenerys. Like wh- not that many people actually saw what Daenerys literally did because there was a lot going on.
1: Fire smoke.
0: Yeah, and screaming sprinting. and people running and trampling over enough where like people would trample over each other and kill their guy because they were just like walking over him, <laughs> you know. So really old though, sure. But it's so it's very chaotic, and so I think that we all have been in situations where think about like in high school when there was a fight in the quad,
1: dude. Yeah,
0: and only a couple the, people br- saw it. yeah, and only a couple of people saw it. But then suddenly everybody at school has an opinion about it. I think it's probably the same thing. I do think that people probably do believe that she. So last chapter, I think like somebody was talking about how like her. Somebody saw her skull or something on the ground, yeah. or you yeah. know something yeah. wild chapter, like that, yeah. or in Tyrion's chapter, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I think people would absolutely believe that Rumors... so you think
1: that they think Danny's dead for sure.
0: I think some people do think Daenerys is dead. Well, I'm for speaking
1: sure. specifically about them because I'm wondering how it informs their oh, strategy. Because right now they're like, why do they kill Grolia? You know, and bring back his Dars folks if they're not directly in league with him then it's probably because they want to move things along. Daenerys
0: might as well be dead to them, sure too. So sure. you know, so it's like, even if she's not dead, she's gone, and she's been gone for an extended period of time, and she flew the coop, basically. <laughs> so it's like, bye.
1: Was <laughs> <That's> good imagery. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> I think it doesn't necessarily matter because she's gone. So
1: Well, I also think about this the, the situation that they're in. It's easy to be on the inside of the Great Pyramid and think about these people menacingly, especially when they bring you ahead, but... As we can guess, not only because of uh, all uh, the—what I was going to say was, as we can guess only because of the perspective of there being uh, a plague circulating through their camp. We can guess how bad it is because of how it's gotten here. But— we know for sure from Tyrion's point of view that things are not very well organized there. And, oh, and my the And yeah. the richest master in Young Kai is violently projectile shitting down his leg. Right, <laughs> right. With surrounded by non official people, and they're able to just walk out of the camp and do whatever they want. And they're also losing support from their own cell swords. So not only are they literally losing foundations out there, but We can only – we can guess by the sickness that they're going to be losing even more among Mm. the people that we don't talk to or Mm -hmm. get a point of view within. So if they think that she's alive or dead, I just think would be an interesting fact to add upon the pile of how they're strategizing.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think that just the fact that she's gone in and of itself, she left for any period of time Mm -hmm. to kind of give them the chance to even have that conversation is too long for her to have left if she's trying to hold – control.
1: Well, I think that that is a uh not a good plan <laughs> for them <laughs> to just assume that she's dead. Yeah. Not a good plan.
0: Do you think they should prepare for her coming back?
1: I think that they should leave. I think that they can't keep their shit together at all and they're trying to sack a city just because they feel like the opportunity is there. Mm-hmm. Because Danny might be gone and someone as weak as his daughter is in charge and they might not have organization that could be something that could fight us but it's like dudes read the room your camp is full of a disease and you're 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 not it's not gonna go well right it's not gonna go well you can kill as many hostages as you want but sooner or later you're gonna run out of dogs to eat you're gonna be eating each other and it's gonna be weird right you know so what are you gonna do just you're gonna go sack their city and take all their gold
0: but what are they gonna do on the inside
1: about what Surviving. Yeah,
0: they're going to start eating each other Sure,
1: sure, but they're not offending. They're not going out and trying to fight people, you know? Yeah. They did change rules in places, but then those places changed their own rules back. Right. It's just opportunists, you know? And we've got all these other people in Planetos that are watching this situation, very interested. And, uh, I don't know. It's kind of a shitty situation. (laughs) Like, it came, it got infiltrated because we wanted to do something cool, I guess. And... Now it's not going that well because of all these other things that came up. And we were really facing ourselves. And I'm speaking from Danny's perspective. Rather than leaving, she went to Slaver's Bay when she got those ships. And so everyone else that's aware of the situation, like I said, is watching it. And they don't have the pale mare riding in their city yet. And uh, there's other free cities that are almost like like a great spoil for people that are involved in this situation if they get out of it with any of these people to fight with, or dragons. So they're kind of watching their own backs at the same time too. Meanwhile, the unrest in Westeros is climbing. Right. The free folk are crossing because the others, you know? And the people that are aware of this, I think, are very few. The people that are able to pay attention, I was going to say like Barry, but I probably should stop saying that. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 because he, you know I don't know man I feel like being so Focused on Your own story Is probably not the best move
0: But it's not the end of his life You gotta give him a little bit of leeway
1: Yeah but he. I feel like he's been so Sort of a one, one Track One trick Yeah, One really good trick I can fight really well It's gotten him this far it, It's true it's true. He's bears
0: the bold. It's
1: true. lot to chew on though. And it's really interesting to think about how George feels about the world and how he's channeling it through this because he's someone that's way older than us. And so all that perspective I was talking about of being like at the top of things, which doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> not being a child anymore, at least in age and looking around and seeing what how humble real adults are for real. He's over double our age. And he has even better perspective on that. And he's yeah. like, so it's interesting to to get that info from someone who obviously pays attention so much to stuff that's happening around him. Right. And I wish that he was just. I just want to have. Let's have him on the podcast. Have like a three hour <laughs> conversation with him that's not even about a Song of Ice and Fire because right. I feel like I'm getting his opinions about the symmetry of the universe.
0: Of course.
1: Right. You but, can't help but. But clean it's not like enough. That. I don't have book five. Or sorry, I don't have book six. Right. I don't have book seven. And here at the end of book five, it's really confusing. My friends and I are having a hard time decoding it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> We're spending a lot of time on it, though. And uh, hopefully something good comes out of it.
0: <laughs> and, I mean, getting better. Closer.
1: I, I definitely get further in understanding it when I talk about it on the podcast. Right. I wish that I was doing this for all the books that I read.
0: And I kind of like us read. being so zoned in on just this chapter specifically, even if it brings to a potentially occasionally bad takes because – it's kind of fun to see each little piece fall together instead of just reading for plot for plot.
1: So. Yeah. No, it's definitely fun. Yeah. I wish there was more time in the day to do it. But um uh, thank you to everyone for listening and giving us more of a more of a reason to do it. It's awesome. So let's do owns.
0: So let's get to our owns. I don't have a very good one this time. I never have a good own. <laughs> Well, actually, I do have a lot of good ones. <laughs> what am I saying? You're working through something right now. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you want to wait? I, can I, do might, mine. I might
0: change it. Yeah, if you know yours, I go have
1: for two. it. First known, Sir Barristan Eyed Bloodbeard coolly. Give me half a reason to dance with you. I'm imagining him dancing with him now. <laughs> Give me half a reason to dance with you, and we will see who's laughing at the end. He did that pretty early in the exchange, It's like a dance too. battle. If they had a dance off,
0: yeah, I know that it's probably fighting dancing. Oh, it's definitely but, fighting. You know, no, it's like, kissing. But the thought of like a, a dance, battle I can kiss is way funny. better than you, Bloodbeard. You <laughs> yeah. suck at kissing. Oh yeah,
1: prove it, Barristan.
0: <laughs> What's your other? One? <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, hard to follow that one up, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Own two. Your father keeps his secrets well, Prince Quentin. Too well, I fear. If the queen had known of his, the if the queen had known of this pact in Carth, she might never have turned aside for slaver, Slavers Bay. But you came too late. I have no wish to salt your wounds, but her grace has a new husband and an old paramour, and seems to prefer them both.
0: She's got two.
1: And seems to prefer the both of them to you.
0: Poor Quentin. I do feel bad for him. Um, I'm trying to decide what I want my own to be. There's two there's two things. One is Hisdar's reaction to Grolio's head. He just says, This, King Hisdar said at last, this is not dot dot. dot we're not pleased. <laughs> this dot dot. dot <laughs> what is the meaning of this? <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um and then my real own is the last paragraph that I read just about Barrison's name, Barrison the Bold, and all of that, kind of thinking about Quentin really looking up to this idea of making a name for himself and how Barrison's name comes from kind of like a silly little story. So, own to that. I won't read it again because I already read it. And that's it. If
1: you would like to send in your own to the podcast, you can write us an email to contact at com. You can send it to us on Twitter, at Game GameOfOwns. You can message it to us on Instagram or comment if we post a story and ask for them, at Game GameOfOwns. What else? If Rate wanna... and view our podcast if you'd like. That'd be really nice. Five stars will do. Thank you.
0: <laughs> if you want to follow along with our reading order, you can find it at afeastwithdragons.com. We are on... Next up is the Spurned Suitor. Chapter one oh seven of that reading order. So check out a feast of dragons.com and get prepped for the next step.
1: Solo podcast at patreon.com slash goo, reread and fire dot com. like the not moments after, but soon after all of this. Mm-hmm. I loved that, of it being right after, after after Barristan basically gives him a talking to. Right. And is a it's a bit rude. Right. And it just being right next to him. Right. Like, th- the next chapter. It's good.
0: It's awesome. Can't wait to get to it pretty soon, so.
1: What are you doing after this?
0: <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> finishing right. up this Baja Blast.
1: All right, so final verdict. Why don't you drink one of each and say what your favorite is? That was a, took a drink from Sweet Lightning. Just took a drink of Baja Blast. Just taking another drink of Sweet Lightning. <laughs> Didn't take one of Baja. Um, I would got?
0: say that Baja Blast is a better soda overall than Sweet Lightning. More bubbles. A little more carbonated. little little... Better flavor, smoother, blah blah blah, but especially with there's a zero coming in. If if they make Sweet Lightning Zero, that's going to hit really hard for me. It's also not a fair comparison because this Baja Zero versus regular Sweet Lightning.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, all right, there you have it.
0: <laughs> all right, end of See the you on the
1: next one. End of episode series.